Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, thank you so much today for your word, and we thank you as we get into it, Lord. Again, we acknowledge that we need you to minister. So, Father, thank you for grace upon me that I would be able to do that. Father, we thank you that you give everyone ears to hear, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that this would be revelation uh, to everyone that is hearing and not just information. Father, and thank you that we will always give you all the praise and glory for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So here, uh, here is the text scripture. We're on this series called The Upside Down. So let's read this scripture, okay? It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay? And so this more grace, everyone say more grace. It's always good, okay, to have more grace. We need grace. And then... Uh, we said this, uh, and we're, I'm going to do a quick review in case this is your first time with us. Uh, righteousness is different than grace. The reason is, as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. It is imparted to you. It is a gift. And you are as righteous as you will ever be when you say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. So we cannot increase our righteousness. Now, our conduct and how we act that's, you know, our position, we're righteous, and that's our position, and we're as righteous as we're going to be. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, as we grow in Christ that we act and conduct ourselves differently. So our, the way that we act is a different thing. But you cannot increase your, your righteousness. You are placed and seated in a heavenly place, and you're as righteous as you're going to be after you accept Jesus. And then the next thing that we said is that uh, unlike righteousness grace can grow it, the Bible says grace and peace be multiplied to you the Bible says grow in grace so grace is something that we can have more or less of and something that we can grow in so grace is a wonderful thing and we need it so concerning our title the upside of down we said this the upside is grace and the downside is humility and so the way to get grace is to go down and then by going down, we get grace, humbling ourselves. Okay, so we, we made a few statements last week that going down is usually not good. Uh, it's not good for the stock market if you're an investor. It's not good when TV ratings uh, are down for advertisers. It's not good for the dollar if you're going to go out of the country and the dollar goes down. It doesn't go as far in another country. It's not good if you're on an airplane and you should be going up, but you're going down. And it's not good if you're in a boat and it starts going down. So, the, you know, many times down is not good. Okay, but in this particular case, down is good because as we humble ourselves and go down, the Bible says God doesn't resist us, but he gives us more grace. So grace, we define that in this series. And grace, we said the simplest definition for grace is unmerited favor. And so grace, it's free. You can't work for it. God gives it freely. It's unmerited. We said this about grace, that grace, it's God's riches at, riches at Christ's expense. So Jesus paid a big price for it, but we get it for free. But it was very expensive for him. He shed innocent blood. 
He took our sin. He went to hell. And then we said this about grace. It's God's ability or power that enables us to do what we could not do on our own. So when grace comes on somebody, they're actually supernaturally anointed or uh, grace to do things that they could not do without it. So even uh, many of our people, many of you lay hands on the sick. Well, of course, if there wasn't a grace on you that you, in obedience, when the Bible says whoever is a believer will lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed, by humbling yourself to that scripture, that's, that's like humbling yourself. You're going down and you're, okay, saying, I accept that. I'm just like little old me, you know, nobody special really. I'm little old me, but I decide to humble myself to the Bible and I'm going to lay hands on somebody that's sick. By that then grace comes on you and the power of God will go through your hands into somebody and they can be healed. And that's, that's, that's grace. You humbled yourself to the word of God when you did that. So we said this about grace too. It's a supernatural substance from heaven that empowers us, enables us, and makes us competent. So, uh, so you look a lot better with grace on you than you do without, all right? And then uh, also what we said is having more grace is like having more of everything. Um, uh, and we used water as an example. If you have water, you can have snow, condensation, rain, sleet, fog, ice, clouds, mist, dew. That all can come out of water. Okay, if you have abundance of water, you can have all of those other things. When there is an abundance of grace, we're saved by grace, we live by grace, we serve by grace, we give, we talked about, we looked at the grace of giving. The Bible says that grace, giving is like a grace, and the Bible says excel, we can excel in the grace of giving. So all, those are all things that we uh, notice. And then we looked at this scripture last week, Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, and with great grace, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And with great power, I, don't, I think I said great grace. And great grace was upon them. So notice that connection, great power and great grace. Anytime there's great grace around, there can be great power around. Anytime there's great grace around, we're going to be more fruitful and more effective at everything we do. Okay, so we don't want resisted by the Lord. He will resist pride but he will give grace to those that humble themselves. All right. Then last week, we're, this is, I'm going a little bit quick because we want to review and we want to go further. So last week we started into this, right relationships in grace. Okay. And uh, we gave this quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, to be humble to superiors is duty, to equals courtesy, and to inferiors nobleness. And so that, that, that was really a, a, a good thing that he said there. And then we looked at these scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So notice what's underlined there. Uh, subject uh, to the elders, humility toward one another. And then God gives grace to the humble. And then the next verse says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Uh, and then at that time, any time God chooses, if you're under his hand, it says, then he can exalt you. So here's what we said about those two verses. What we notice in those verses is there, uh, there's three relationships that we should maintain. Our relationship with God, our relationship with spiritual authority, and our relationship with one another. So last week, we looked at our relationship with one another. 
And we made a few statements that, you know, we may think that we can just be independent free agents and we can blow people off and be rude to people. But according to the Bible, if we blow off one of our fellow brothers or sisters and we're rude to them and think we can just X them out, that affects us because there's a a connection between grace and relationships. And so uh, as believers, we should do everything all the time to keep every one of our relationships good. And uh, Patsy and myself throughout the years, you know, and we've, we've been in ministry a long time and we've been on four continents, but we know that we can go to any continent in the world. And even if somebody used to serve with us where we were the elders and they were the younger ones, even if they did anything that needed correcting or we had to make a change, we, we can go anywhere in the world and we have no enemies because we don't want any of our relationships to ever end badly. And if there's anyone that doesn't like us, it's one-sided because we, cho- we choose all the time to forgive everyone and not hold any grudges. And it's the best way to live. It keeps you free. It's important that we always stay free. And so there's no continent that we have a bad relationship with anyone. And, uh, and if anyone has that against us, that's one-sided. That's a good way to be. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not bragging about us. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart that enables us to do that. Okay? So this is what we see. We see those three relationships. And then um, we talked about last week the benefits of the relationships by keeping them right. So here's the benefits if we have right relationships. God gives us grace. And boy, thank God for that. We need it. Uh, we remain under the hand of God, and that is the best place to be. The best place to be is under the hand of God. Okay, and, you know, you don't have to get on an airplane and go to a country where there's a revival going, thinking that you're going to miss something, unless the Lord directs you to get on an airplane and go somewhere where there's a revival. Hey, just being where you are under the hand of God is the best and safest place you can be. You can't beat that place. Okay, I remember when the Lord told us to move to Sicily and we just had a young, our, our, our Liliana was born and she was about three months old when the Lord, we were going to move. So, and I heard all these stories about the mafia in Sicily and we're living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was a real ministry city. Like, you know, in a sense, people made fun at saying Tulsa's like the Mecca. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, <laughs> you know, you're in Tulsa, all these Christians, it's the Bible Belt, all these people. And the Lord's telling us to move with our young daughter to go to Sicily where we hear about the mafia, people getting shot. And it was bothering me in my mind. And the Lord said, you are safer in my will in Sicily than you are out of my will in Tulsa. Okay. And we, uh, we've been around the world. When we moved to Singapore, it was only a number of months that we were there with two children. Now we had Lily and Annalisa. And that's when SARS came, S-A-R-S, you know, that short-lived disease called SARS. It came right when we were in Singapore. And I'm in Singapore thinking, I know we followed the Lord, and here we are, and SARS is in Singapore, and we have our two little children. It really plays with your mind, but no evil came near our dwelling, and no weapon formed against us prospered. And we thank God for that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be under the hand of God, okay? And then also by being under the hand of God, it's, it's the place where we're positioned 
that God will come and find you. He finds people to exalt that are under his hand. Okay? And so that's a good place to be. So today we're going to move on and go further. And I was thinking what we're going to share today, and, and I had this thought like, I was thinking to myself, thinking, am I going to share something that's more for Bible school and not for church? And it's kind of like I'm dealing with that up in my head. And then I felt like the Lord, with his, uh, the still small voice on the inside, said this to me, I didn't divide my word for churches and Bible schools. Everyone in my body can read everything in my word. And, uh, and that helped me. It really helped me. So I thought, and then I got thinking more about it. You know, he actually addresses shepherds, and he, in a sense, he dresses them down about having the right motives. Everything that he says is for everyone to read. And actually, it really brings accountability. So for people in leadership, there's a lot of things that everyone in the body of Christ can read, and they can see this is what the Lord expects of you if you're in leadership. So it's not hidden. So it's okay then to teach it on a Sunday morning. So here's what we want to look at today. We want to look at the younger and the elder. And it's a new movie coming to you soon. <laughs> no. See, no one laughed in the first service. But we have, we have David Sweet with us today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was brave of me to try that two times in a row. <laughs> Okay, so First um, Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And so this is in the Bible. It's not hidden. And we want to look at it today. And when it talks about elders, we can substitute there. It even says shepherds. Uh, so our church has more than, you know, I have accountability. We have other pastors in our church. We have elders, you know, and... Uh, and so I have accountability, and I'm not just a, a, an independent guy that thinks uh, that can do anything he wants. So there's accountability that way. Then we have small, uh, we have our small groups, and people that do small groups, they have a heart for other people, like a, they they want to care for other people. We have our team leaders, so we have a lot of those that are in leadership. This message that we're going to look at today, it's for all of us that care for people. So it's just not. You know, I'm just not preaching it to myself, which I am. I need to hear this. But it's for all of us, the elders, the pastors, small team leaders, small group leaders. This is like who we all can be. The Bible gives us great instructions on who we can be. So let's first of all, as we like to do, let's look at what we shouldn't do if we're an elder or shepherd. Okay, so going to Jeremiah 23 in verse 2, it says, Therefore... Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you, to, to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. So, you know, that's the negative side. This is what you would not want to do as an elder. You don't want to scatter people. You don't want to drive them away. And you want to make sure they're attended to. Uh, so scattering, driving away, uh, not attending to the flock, obviously there would be very little grace flowing. You'd have to say that the Lord would resist that and not give grace. If there is scattering, driving away, and not attending, that's what we don't do. You jump down two verses, though, 
and then you see what pleases the Lord, and you can see where grace could flow. And that's Jeremiah 23 and verse 4. It says, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall anybody any be missing, declares the Lord. So that is the heart of the Lord, and that's what he's saying if you're an elder or shepherd, or if you're, this is what he likes. So look at this, and uh, first thing we know is he wants his people to be cared for. But then notice how he says they shall, know, they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. What could you do to help people not fear or be dismayed? And I was thinking about that, and you know, if you properly feed the Word of God, it will remove fear and it will help people not be dismayed. So we are in the new covenant, and this is the age of grace, of course, and this is not the age of uh, judgment right now. Judgment, that age will come. Thank God that we, that the Bible says that we are not going to go through that kind of wrath you know, and, and, you know, a little side journey. The reason that I went after my brothers and my mother and father so much is when I first got saved, I didn't want, I didn't know when the Lord was coming, but I didn't want them to go through the wrath that's going to come later. You know, so of course, the, the number one goal was to go after uh, the family, okay? And so we're delivered and we're spared of that. Everyone say, thank God that I'm spared from the wrath to come. Now, properly feeding people would mean preaching the right gospel. And so our gospel, we know that it should not include guilt and condemnation. Our gospel should not be ministered in a way that it would manipulate. It, uh, the gospel is not designed to manipulate. The gospel is designed to give life. So what we see what the Lord would like is He would like people not to have fear. All right? That they would have no more fear. So being fed the Word of God can keep fear off of you. Being fed can cause people not to be dismayed. All right? And then it says, neither shall any be missing. And so... If you ever wonder what God thinks about it, God doesn't want people scattered and He doesn't want them missing. So we, we've had this prayer group for a number of years on Saturday mornings uh, early at 7, and we only have maybe 5, 7, 8, sometimes 10 of us are there. Uh, but when we pray on Saturday morning, there's been a number of times that we've prayed this way where we have called those that have left here, maybe they got hurt, something happened where they were offended or hurt, we have called them back in prayer if this is where they belong because it says right here that he doesn't want anyone missing but then we've also done this because we want to make sure we're body of Christ minded we thought well some may have left and this is not where they belong but we pray that they find the place they do belong because God's will is that no one is missing that everyone has their house to be in Okay, so this is, uh, this is the way that God sees it for all of us, all right? Here's the definition of shepherd. A shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock, all right? And then if you look uh, further reading, the shepherd will graze the animals 
herding them to areas of good forage and keeping a watchful eye out for the poisonous plants. So notice graze there, but then notice areas, plural, plural areas of good forage, keeping a watchful eye out for poisonous plants. So, of course, we, this is all talking about caring, but grazing is equal to feeding. Jesus told Peter, and he kind of frustrated him because he said it three times, he said, if you love me, feed, feed my sheep. And Peter goes, you know I love you. You know, the point is, Jesus is saying, if you do love me, what you really need to do is feed the sheep. So grazing the animals, the sheep, that means they're being fed. But then it also says areas, plural. And here's what that would mean, that uh, a, a local church and an, a shepherd, there needs to be the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Okay, so that means that every area, every counsel needs to be ministered. It's plural, it's areas. So everything should be covered. So that's why we'll have a, a series on relationships. Uh, we'll have a series on grace. We'll have a series on faith. We'll have a series on, you know, all the different things, healing. We, we want to make sure we do the whole counsel of God. So it's areas of forage. And then it says, keep a watchful eye out for poisonous plants. And that means, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that would mean false doctrine. So one of the things that, you know, if we want grace to flow, we need to feed good doctrine, we need to do the whole counsel of God, and we need to also, when necessary, deal with false doctrines that would be out there that would hurt anyone. Okay, that's part of it. And by doing those things, there's grace that flows. So today what we want to do, and, and this will help us all to do this, so I'm talking about pastors and elders team leaders and small group leaders, all of us, this is who we aspire to be, and this is our position when it comes to leadership. So here's the first thing that we all need to do. Number one, we uh, should imitate God. Okay, so these are three models to imitate. The first model is God. And that says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. I'm sure most of you can quote that scripture. Notice where it says, God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. So what we learn here is God, okay, God's love is the motivating factor for his actions. Let's all say that together. God's love is the motivating factor of his actions. All right, so that's why he did what he did because of his love. We know that he first loved us, and because he first loved, he initiated his love by sending his son. So practical way to apply that. We so love that we give. And then a few thoughts here is ministry that's motivated by love is fruitful. And now let's practically say this in comparison to Ministry that's motivated by structure, ministry that's motivated by title, by position, ministry that's motivated by forced submission. Okay, so if you're motivated, if your motivation is to get somebody to submit, if your motivation is based on a title or position or structure, that's not motivated by love. It's a lower motivation. It doesn't bring the fruit. 
and God probably will resist it and not give the grace that could be there. Ministry that's motivated by love opens the door for grace to flow. All right, so here's, as I was ministering on this, here's how it came into my heart. There was a statement that came, and it's this. Submission is usually spontaneous when love is the root of ministry. And so I, I, I heard that Jesus died for me when I was 23 years old, that he took my place and took my sin. And when, when I heard how he loved me and did that, I submitted to that and I confessed him as my Lord. It was his love that caused me to do that. When ministry is motivated by love, everything else falls into place. Also, let's look at this statement. Submission is usually spontaneous when love is the root of parenting. Okay? And so, you know, as, a, as parents, <clears throat> we can make mistakes. I know that Patsy and myself, we've made mistakes as parents. You make more with your eldest and you get ho hopefully better as you go. But here's one thing we know, that we have really loved our children. And sometimes I think, can, I mean, I think, man, I almost love them too much. I can't, I can't stop loving those girls. And you know, you love them. And, and I really know the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. So I know if there's one thing we've done right, is we've loved. We may have made other mistakes, but when there's like, copious amounts of love, like abundant amounts of love, then what happens is the people that you love, they normally want to please you. They want, they, and, and I noticed that, that our girls have always wanted to please us because we love them, you know? And so what happens is then submission is usually spontaneous when love is the root of parenting. We might not know everything. Maybe you haven't read six books on parenting. You know, when I was younger, they didn't have all those books. They've come out with so many books on everything, and it's good to read a book, but even if you haven't read a book on parenting, one thing you do, if you're a Christian, the love of God is shed abroad on your heart, and all you have to do is at least yield to that. At least start there, and it covers up for a lot of things. Okay? So... Um, the second thing that we can say about this, what we're saying about, is what you focus on. So we're not to be focused or concerned about who submits. Now, I remember when we lived in Europe, this young guy, and he just went through Bible school. He's 20-something years old, and we were living in Italy, but he went to, to minister in the Ukraine. And he ministered to a group of Bible school students for one week. And then at the end of the week, the Bible school director told me, that he, he asked all the students, he said, now, am I your spiritual father? <laughs> and I, I thought, hey, that was really odd that your whole desire is for some, like somebody to be, you want to be somebody's spiritual father. Like, that's what you're pushing for. And I thought, you know, he, he was in Tulsa, and we were in that environment. We saw a man of God who's gone home to be with the Lord, which was Kenneth Hagin. And thousands of people around the world called him Dad Hagen, and he was their spiritual father. Well, you can sit and look at that and think, that's what I want. But when did that happen? 
like 30 and 40 years after he pressed into God, after he dug into the scriptures, he studied to show himself approved. He prayed many nights. He woke up at three in the morning. Uh, I guess he said he prayed every night at least one hour in the middle of the night and then went back to sleep. This is a guy that did all of these things. And then later on, after many years, some people started to call him dad and spiritual father. Did he ever ask them? He didn't ask them. What motivated him was he loved people so much that he dug into God's Word so he could clearly teach what the Bible says about doing Christian life. And he just gave the Word to people. Then many years later, they said, hey, you're my spiritual father. He never asked them to say that. So you understand that you can focus on the wrong thing. You can want to be somebody. You can want somebody to call you something and to look at you a certain way and really... When you do that, you won't probably get it. You probably won't ever have that. If it's okay to be just like totally honest. When you go after that, you probably will never have it. Okay? And so this is what we see. What do we focus on? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 23. It says, But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I re- restrained from coming again. So the Corinthian church, they, they had some things going on there that needed corrected. And Paul's saying he... he you were spared that I didn't come. But then look at what he writes in verse number 24. He said, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. And here's what you see with the heart of him, that it wasn't about who is submitting and and I'm going to lord it over you, but it's about working together for your joy. In other words, I care so much about you that I want you to have the joy of salvation. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I'm working together with you so you can have the joy. It's not to rob you of joy. It's not to lord it over you. It's not to be a dictator. But it's that you have the joy of salvation and it, and it stays there. This is what you see here. So I tried to, you know, what kind of illustration could I use to describe that? And I thought of a hot frying pan. You know, and having a one-year-old child. And, you know, when they're younger, they don't know what's, what's dangerous and what's not. So, of course, you know, we want to watch over our children to make sure they don't put their hands in a hot frying pan. And so you think about your child, one-year-old, and they're having fun and they're playing and they're all happy. But, you know, what you're going to do is work with them to make sure that their joy isn't robbed if they put their hand in a hot frying pan because they're not going to be happy playing and smiling. They're going to be crying if their, their hand goes into a hot frying pan. So it's your love for your child that you'll do everything you can do to make sure they know what will hurt them and what will not hurt them. You love them and you want them to be happy and enjoy life. It's the same way with spiritual things. It's the love that you want every Christian and you want people to enjoy the joy of their salvation. That's what motivates. And this is what you see with Paul. Look at another scripture, Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. It says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? So here with God, you can see the power of kindness or love. God never twisted my arm to get saved. I don't think any of you would say God twisted my arm and made me get saved. But what really touched me when I heard about Jesus, that he loved me so much that he went to hell. He took my sin. He, he did all this for me. He came to earth and left heaven for me. He loved me that much. 
that is what moved me. It says God's kindness leads you toward repentance. The best thing we can all do, instead of focusing on titles and positions and who submits, focus on love. Focus on that. And, and the other stuff, don't even be concerned because it, it normally falls into place. Does that make sense? Um, look, at, look at, so we want to imitate God. Look at somebody else we want to imitate is Jesus. All right, so let's look at Jesus. We're just looking at three models that we can imitate. So Jesus, look at with him, Jesus leads and not drives. So John chapter 10 and verse 3, uh, it says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his sheep by name, and look at this, he leads them out. So what you see here, if you are a shepherd that's following him, you'll also be an elder or shepherd that will not drive, pressure, push, force, but you allow somebody to be led. You see that there? So this is what causes grace to flow. So we see what Jesus, he invites us to follow. So shepherds should not manipulate or threaten the flock. Okay? That's not the place. Uh, but shepherds protect the flock and feed the flock. All right? And then grace flows. Look at another one. Jesus protects. So in John chapter seven, uh, 10 and verse 7, it says, Therefore, Jesus again said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Now that doesn't make sense to us that did not grow up in that part of the world because what he did is that's an expression that's common to that time where he said, I am the gate for the sheep. So here's, here's a little research and, and you see what this means. A good shepherd led the flock into a protected enclosure and then slept in the opening of the sheepfold. He became the gate and personally blocked the entryway. Any wild animal seeking to harm the sheep could, not, could only go through the gate guarded by the shepherd. So that is like a local expression that the people understood when he said that. In other words, he's saying that like, I protect the sheep. And this is what elders, this is what uh, a shepherd does. So there's three types of wolves, uh, you know, like wolves that will kill, steal, and destroy from unprotected sheep. And the Bible says that there's false teachers in Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. So if we want grace to flow, uh, shepherds, people in leadership, they need to be willing to correct a false teacher. So we have to make sure sometimes because if you're so, we're really big on walking in love and forgiveness here. And I know that I've dealt with this in times past as, as a leader where I want to correct a false doctrine or, and, and somebody accused me of walking out of love. But actually, you know, that's not walking out of love. If, if there's wrong doctrine, it needs to be dealt with because it can hurt God's people. So these are three things that the Bible says, you know, and by making sure of all these things, God's grace flows in a greater way. Okay, and then blatant immoral believers. And why is that described that way? Well, blatant because... There, you know, there's believers that they yield to the flesh, uh, not that they want to, and they do something immoral. They're grieved. They cry. They repent. It's not talking about somebody like that. It's talking about somebody in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 1 and 2 where this guy, 
a younger guy was sleeping with his father's, his father was remarried and he was sleeping with his father's new wife and he was being blatant about it. He, he wasn't repenting and it could hurt the rest of the, the believers there. So Paul said, I'm going to turn him over to the flesh for the destruction of his flesh. And, and, and Paul did. He turned him over for the destruction of his flesh. He got sick, this guy. And through all of it, he, he repented and he came back to the Lord. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, receive him back. Okay, so that's what that's talking about. So when, when somebody blatantly lives in sin, it needs to be dealt with. It's right there. And then, uh, then another one is those who repeatedly are divisive. So that's in Titus where it says if somebody's causing division, deal with it. And if they do it again, but then after so many times, you have to say leave because you're divisive. And they're, they're asked to leave. This is how uh, the sheep are protected. So we could say this, the elder protects the flock even if the adversary disguises himself as a wolf in sheep's clothing, meaning that many in the church don't recognize the danger. Okay, so when, when, when somebody doesn't recognize danger, it's up to the elder, the shepherd, to make sure they're protected. All right, look one more uh, about Jesus. Jesus laid his life down. So you see that in John chapter 10 and verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, so, uh, you know, we can focus on the wrong thing. It's, it's so backwards to focus on titles and positions and structure and who submits when, when uh, all along are you willing to lay your life down for the sheep. And there's different ways to lay, lay your life down. You know, like you can g turn off the TV, put the iPhone down or the, the other, you know, the Samsung, whatever you have. Uh, you could uh, leave the computer, leave a video game. You can, and you can go and close yourself in a room and pray for somebody. That's laying your life down for someone. You decided to go pray for them. And uh, you could not go down to the beach and, and uh, walk in the sunshine, but decide that day you're going to lay your life down and pray for somebody. That's part of uh, what laying down your life is. It doesn't mean you're jumping in front of a bullet all the time, okay? All right, then let's look at the last one. And this last, some, the last one that we can imitate is Paul the apostle and so you see Paul in 1st Thessalonians 2 and verse number 7 it says but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children so the greatest apostle that ever walked on the earth the one that was quickened up to heaven and the Lord gave him the the revelation and the, the Pauline revelation who you are in Christ he's the greatest apostle and God used him in a great way for us to get the revelation knowledge of who we are in Christ and look at him when the, the, the big apostle comes, he says, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And then look at verse number eight. It says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. So you can focus on good or wrong. Wrong would be focusing on structure, title, positions, and all that. Good is focusing on, you became dear to me. I want to lead you and be gentle when I lead you. I don't want to point a finger and make you feel guilty or condemned. 
but I want to feed you. And this is what pastors, elders, our team leaders, our small group leaders, this is our position. It's, it's in line with the Word of God. This is what we're told. So as the worship team comes, we'll, we'll say this today as we uh, get ready to close. These are things that we can do. And, and I want you to think about this. Did you, I meet very few people. Every so often you'll meet a person and you think, I can't figure them out. I mean, there's something there. Maybe there's a hidden agenda. And, and, and God's people are so precious and they're so sincere that very seldom do you meet somebody like that. But if you think about it, the best way not to have a hidden agenda for anyone is to simply be motivated by love, be motivated by compassion, be motivated by everything we looked into, and that will erase any kind of agenda. If there's any other agenda, it gets buried, it gets pushed aside because we decide that we're going to do all of this based on what we have just looked at. So we can say this as we close up today that we're imitators. All right, so we could say that our root motive is love. We minister because we love. We lead and not drive or control. We protect. We are willing to lay down our, li our lives down. We're gentle and caring. And our only agenda is caring and loving the saints. Okay? And so we said we're going to look at the younger and the elder, but do you notice that there's so much about the elder and the younger automatically, as we said, everything else lines up if we, if we do that. Father, I thank you so much for your word today. I thank you that it's our example, our model. Thank you, Father God, that uh, we can uh, allow you to motivate us and we can be motivated by the, the highest way possible. Father, I pray for everyone that's with us today, Lord. In the event that we have anyone among us today, Lord, and they've stepped into this room and they don't know Jesus as their Savior, thank you, Father, that you especially pour your love upon them and that they, they can actually feel and sense your love speaking to their heart and tugging on their hearts, Lord. Thank you that you would do that for them. Father, thank you that you also make it clear that Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can get to the Father except through him. Thank you, Lord, for clarifying that in the hearts of anyone that doesn't know you. Father, thank you for clarifying what the book of Romans tells us. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. Thank you for making that really clear to anyone that's here that it's so simple that they just need to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and they can be saved. With eyes closed, if the Lord is speaking to you and He's made it really clear that you need a Savior, and if today you choose to humble yourself and accept Jesus as your Savior, we want to help you by praying this prayer. So uh, it's so simple. If you'll close your eyes with us and if you'll pray this from your heart, today Jesus can be your Lord. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus 
And Jesus, thank you that you came for me. You died for me. You went to hell for me. You took my sin. And you were raised for me. Thank you. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.